Thank you for tuning in to the Hidden Gems podcast. It's me, your host, Kendra. This week, I'm going to be interviewing Rachelle, the owner and founder of Excel Youth Academy. This is a great episode because it's all about youth outreach. And for the parents out there who listen, who have children who are school age, I would definitely suggest tuning in to get her information, especially because she has amazing enrichment activities planned all year long and all summer long for your kids. And the summer is coming up. So stay tuned to this episode and enjoy. Okay, it's recording. All right. So I am here with Rachelle Houston from Excel Youth Academy. And today we're going to be talking about Excel Youth Academy. But before we get into that, let's do these would you rather questions and get you warmed up. Okay. (laughs) All right. So would you rather have the ability to see 10 minutes into the future or 150 years into the future? Oh. Oh. Good question. Uh, I'll say 150 years okay. into the future. Yeah, I would like to see what happens with the legacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think 150 years is better for me than 10 minutes because yeah, like, I can better prepare for 150 years. Yeah, I'm like, oh, so that was the outcome of all that? Mm, let me let me switch up more. Yeah. <laughs> let me yeah, switch up. change it up real quick. <laughs> okay, uh, the next one is, would you rather be forced to sing along or dance to every single song you hear? Sing along. Um, you know, I could bust a move, but I'm not a dancer. And I don't want to <laughs> dance to everything. I'm more of a, I can dance in my seat and I still be feeling right. the groove. I may not get up the whole time, but right. singing? Now I sing like I have some vocals, but I can't sing worth the doggone, but I will sing all day, okay? <laughs> yeah, I think singing, I'd be more comfortable with singing too. Dancing, yeah. I definitely just have a little bop nowadays, yeah. so I just... For you. I might do a little two-step, and don't let a stepping song get out there. I might actually act, show you I'm from Chicago, but... Okay. You're from Chicago? Like a... Damn. <laughs> okay, nice. My husband and his family is from Chicago. They, well, yeah. yeah. Peoria, so... Okay, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> but that's a good disclaimer because people from Chicago and they hear like you're from Chicago, they get excited and they're like pure. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, that's that yeah. way. <laughs> or but his his dad is from. I want to say the west side of Chicago though. Okay. So yeah, I, my brother actually lives out west right now. Like I'm not a west sider. Okay. <laughs> Um, but I do feel like I, when people say, well, what part of Chicago are you from? I always just say like the city, because uh, for the most part, um, I always went to school in the downtown area, no matter if we lived out south or we lived in the suburbs of Evanston, if we lived down the street, I was always going to go to school um, in the city. Okay, okay. All right, Chicago in the building. <laughs> okay, would you rather stay in during a snow day or build a fort? Uh, a fort outside? I guess, yeah. We'll say outside. Mm, I stay in. I had enough snow growing up, so I'm not pressed by it. I think I get a little joy by seeing my, my kids when they get to see it, but I I'm good. I like to look at it. I think it's pretty to look at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. See, and I'm from Georgia, so like snow is cool in Georgia snow, like the little sprinkle we get down here. 
<laughs> that's okay. I don't think I could deal with like the snowstorms and like the piles of snow. Like, I, can, I don't think I could do that. And trucking through and got snow in your boots and you got to go to school <laughs> and no snow day. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could do that. I need the snow day. Okay. <laughs> okay. Would you rather swim in a pool full of Nutella or a pool full of maple syrup? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I'm like, uh, maple syrup. Maybe because it's probably be a little easier to get through. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Nutella seems a little extra thick. So yeah, maple syrup. <laughs> I don't know. I, it, like really, I don't want to do it either one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Both of them sound really sticky. Like. <laughs> oh, and I love swimming too. So mm, no. <laughs> I don't even, I've never even had Nutella, fun fact. Uh, so I don't even know what it tastes like. Fun fact, I've never had it either. I, I think it looks disgusting, but I know what it is and I've seen it in a jar. Right. And, uh, like peanut butter to me so I was like mm, yeah <laughs> I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the maple <laughs> yeah at least you kind of you're kind of familiar with that so you <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay last would you rather okay would you rather hmm would you rather give up air conditioning and heating for the rest of your life or give up the internet for the rest of your life Ooh. Ah, that's messed up. <laughs> um, because of course I've survived without the internet. Uh, before the internet, right? And um, hmm, you know what? Give up heat and air just because you know I do know. Growing up, there was times where like. <laughs> You know, we didn't have heat and we made it work. You know, yeah. um, you don't have air, but you cool off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if I got to move to a different climate that doesn't get, you know, Arizona <laughs> hot, you know, right. I'm going to make it work. But as the day and age I live in now, shoot, the internet be saving my butt in a matter of seconds. So I I, I probably need to keep that one. <laughs> I just, I just adjust. Yeah. If you see me walking around half naked, it ain't because I'm selling it. It's because I ain't got no heat air. Right. <laughs> I, that's a hard one. I don't know if I can really answer that one because yeah. I don't know. I'm born in the South. I need heat. I mean, I know I don't need heat. I need the air conditioning in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. The air. Yeah. Hot. But I don't know. Yeah. I guess I could open a window or turn a fan on, but still, it's still, yeah. still hot. <laughs> all right so all right that was our those were our uh would you rather questions so we're gonna get into excel youth academy so i will give everybody all the listeners just a little brief backstory so i just met you yeah. <laughs> like a couple months ago at the um future mountain movers and the camp sina um workshop uh when we were out there with the planners and you had mm -hmm. sponsored the food and they were learning about hydroponics that day so um, I overheard you talking about or maybe you were talking to me I don't know uh, <laughs> about um the story about your grandfather and how he got into golf and I was like wow that's really cool and then I just kind of I just it just piqued my interest I really wanted to know more about Excel Youth Academy and I was okay. like I know I slid you my card and I was like here I got a podcast so <laughs> Sorry for coming on, but um, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us about Excel Youth Academy. 
Awesome. So yes, I am Michelle Houston. I am founder and executive director of Excel Youth Academy. And basically Excel Youth Academy was uh, thought about on the premise of wanting to expose underprivileged kids to golf, but kind of not wanting it to be all about golf. I wanted it to, in, 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 a, in a short version, to have our scholars major in golf, but then have the option to have these electives at their, at their fingertips. So what you saw that day was me basically bridging that gap to what they were doing and it triggered me because um, we were rolling, we're rolling out a gardening club this year, but I also wanted to make sure that we understand that community service goes into this. They had that, uh, I needed people to understand that there are food deserts in the city. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was an awesome, you know, project that they had going on that they found this land. And I was like, oh, we have to be a part of that because I, I, I wanted to make sure that going forward that people understand that uh, EYA is a hub of golf resources, but we also can, you know, branch out and we doing other STEM activities with it. Um, so one of the things how I met um, Janelle is because she came out to um, a clinic that we have that's kind of like our um, shiny ball, you know, for kids. It's, it's a golf and art clinic. It's one hour of golf, one hour of art, and it happens right there on the golf course. And once they get both instruction, they end the day by hitting golf balls that they dip and paint onto canvases. Mm -hmm. And they get to take home canvases that they drew on that day. So that it's just kind of like, um, you know, just a fun fair festival kind of day, but it is involving mainly golf as their foundation. And then from there, um, students that are like, hey, you know what, mom, dad, or mom and dad is like, hey, I want you to continue this golf. I either get them in a program with U.S. Kids, because we are a partner of U.S. Kids, we are able to help the pipeline for PGA Junior League. Okay. Of course, we know PGA Junior League leads to bigger things, but in order to get into that program you have to have certain fundamentals be able to pass certain tests because they do give you written tests um, for the PGA League to make sure that you understand how to actually play competitively and respectively and know the etiquettes and the rules and things like that so we're just trying to be that liaison that helps them bridge that gap it's a lot of resources out there that <clears throat> unfortunately underprivileged youth don't know about for example, um, U.S. Kids has a clinic that just launched uh, this week, and we were able to get seven of our students that have shown interest, who have signed up to be EYA members, um, full scholarships to do a six-week program that will allow them to maneuver through the U.S. Kids program and then opt into the junior junior uh, PGA. So that's basically what we're about. Uh, we pride ourselves on being a mobile academy because we don't have a brick and mortar. We go to wherever our services are needed. And we try to just eliminate that uh, intimidated fact of golf. Um, yeah. We are more of a lax, you know, when the kids come out, we might have music playing, you know, we joking around. Uh, we wanted to make them feel like they're comfortable. And this is just an added tool where, you know, if you're looking to put your kid in a program that's going to get them to be Tiger Woods, we can assist you with that. But our lane is just trying to make sure that they are exposed. They have this in their repertoire. They have this as a resume builder. Um, our scholars are able to not only learn about golf, but again, reach out to their communities, learn about gardening, have financial uh, classes, etiquettes that we're doing. Um, we're rolling out another thing with um, cooking classes. So it's just things for them to just again, resume builder, things for them to be exposed to. We want our children to be out here feeling like, 
you know, <clears throat> I know they always say sky's the limit, but <clears throat> we want you to feel like you are successful and whatever successful path that may be, let us bundle some tools and resources your way so that when you are going through those trenches and you do need those, um, you know, key resources, you already know them. You already been there. You've already seen it. You know how to walk into any room and feel confident and stand proud. Like I can be amongst whoever, whenever, because right. I know so much or I've been so many places and I've seen so many things and I have people in my corner that even when I don't know something, I know I can go get it from. Right. Um, so that's in a nutshell what we're trying to do. And that all stems from my background. Um, just to go more into that, I am from Chicago, Illinois, um, but I was raised by a single mother. My aunt actually raised me. I didn't have parents and I was able to see kind of best of both worlds when it came to growing up. Of course, when you're going through it, you don't acknowledge it as much until you are an adult and you can right. with all these things. Um, but just in a nutshell, not to go too deep, but my mother was an incarcerated uh, individual for basically all my life. I didn't know my father. My mother's sister raised me at the age of about four and she had her own son. But she adopted me. So I, it, by law, it was like she became my mother. Her wow. son became my brother. And I grew up in the south side of Chicago at that time. She was an independent woman, had you know, like her own rental properties, doing multiple things. And it was back then, I mean, you know, they always say Chicago's scary, but I remember, <laughs> you know, back then, like where we live was 69th and Aberdeen and like we would literally pull up at night and she would count like all right I counted three we're gonna jump out we're gonna run in and we would literally do that and I'm like six years old like oh gotta get in the house and sometimes you get in the house and your house and got broken into we probably got broken into like nine times not no exaggeration before she actually was like okay we're moving north <laughs> and um just seeing her struggles and just seeing her making sure that I and my brother had um, resources. Like right. even though she didn't have the money, she always put me in things that we probably couldn't afford for like ballet, gymnastics. I was in piano classes. Um, I was lined up to do vocal classes. Even at a young age, I was like, I want to sing. Can't sing though. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and she would like put me in all these programs until you know funds were iffy and at some point it got to um where whenever money got really tough she would send me to my grandfather's house uh and my grandfather lived in Alabama Selma Alabama exactly so for a while I would go down there for the summers all summer and from the age of maybe six on up and his thing was golf he was an entrepreneur. He had a roofing company. He was the first uh, black man to have his own par three and golfing range in Selma. It was called okay. Selma's Golf uh, Center. It was later bought by the city, but at this time he had built it himself. He was doing, you know, like pro bono coaching for like schools. And he, since I was there, he would take me with him. So it would bridge that gap for the kids. And then I have someone to play with. And he always just instilled with me like, hey, you know, Shell, this could be your ticket to a better life. You know, this could be a helping aid. And the goal was always to give me a scholarship. Um, although for me, it was kind of like, oh, golf, oh, why? You know, I'm from Chicago. We, we get on the train, we go to the mall where, you know, I'm in and out the streets and then I got to go to the summer boot camp in my mind uh, to <laughs> play golf. Though. 
<laughs> in Selma, Alabama. Of course, people are like, oh, it's so rich in history. Oh, that's the bloody stuff. I get it, but there's like 200 people here. Yeah. Okay. So Bloody Sunday comes and the, the, the city is turned up. Like, you know, all 200 people come into the city for those, you know. And that, of course, at that time, as a young girl in my young teens and young age, I didn't know the history behind it. I didn't know the legacy my grandfather was laying. I just knew that if I played golf and if I played well, he might buy me a little outfit or he might slide me five dollars or he might you know take me to go get ice cream or something so I always wanted to make sure that I was doing things in his eyes that was pleasing and right. so I knew playing golf was one of those um and like I said I was fortunate enough to spend summers there and then go home um to Chicago and then um there was a point from like eighth grade to tenth grade that I stayed with him and I must say that probably was the most um I want to say it was probably just one of the most time, most detrimental times in my life where, you know, it was it was paramount that he was in my life because it was a strong male figure who loved me unconditionally, who, you know, even though I was coming from Chicago and struggling with my aunt, you know, I would come down to Selma and then we would travel and go to like Robert Trent Jones golf courses or we'll go to Tennessee and play in these tournaments for three four days and it just again broadened my horizons I was able to be around people that you know I didn't know but there's a black black individuals that are well prominent in their field they're doctors they're lawyers they're shakers and movers they're politicians and they all know my grandfather and they all respect him because he was not only a business owner but then he was a retired military so some people would call him colonel you know and it was just this whole regal moment of him and as I got older it just came so blatant you know ever been in a situation where you want to kind of not run from your vision or run from your calling or your purpose for that matter, but it keeps creeping up, it keeps hitting you in the face, it keeps coming back, and you're like, oh, I don't think I want to do that, I don't know if I want to do that, and it's like, okay, finally the light bulb clicks, and you're like, I have to do it, because if I don't, it's going to continue gnawing on me, and that's what we don't want, right, so, and, and I say all that to say, you know, I was doing the work of EYA before there was an EYA. I just one day decided, you know what, this needs to be official. My right. grandfather never made anything in this light official because it was always this him just giving back. Um, <clears throat> with me, it was like, oh, this became more of a forefront. And I kind of wanted to change that narrative of not just golf. Because I am a city kid, because I was, you know, um, um, exposed to all these resources, I feel like it made me a real well-rounded individual. When people see my initial resume, I guess on paper, you know, I'm a statistic. I was always told that uh, you'd be lucky if she graduate high school. You'd be lucky if she don't get pregnant in high school. You'd be lucky if she don't. And it was like from the jump. And I just never got that. Like, wow, you wrote me off before I could even put forth any effort. And thanks be to God that I had two individuals that continue pouring into me. Right. And of course, there's a there's a laundry list of individuals that I can probably name to, that really over the years that God just planting seeds in front of me and making sure that I was always on the path of the right people. But <clears throat> it was the two initial people who put those seeds in me to even allow other people to want to work with me, to want to help me, to want to be around me, to want to see a light in me. And so, yeah, that's how I got here. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's an awesome story. There's so much rich history there. And I just love the, the, I love the fact that you had to come down to the South (laughs) Um, because there's so much, there is a lot of rich history in the South for black people just in general. So, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's like inevitable. Um, that you would, yeah. would experience that down in the south that's awesome so I do have a question like you mentioned um golf being intimidating um and I actually I agree with that like so recently well a couple months ago I did a photo shoot for Janelle and her family at um, a golf course in Atlanta and oh I have I've never played golf I've never yeah. had an interest in playing golf I've never like I've never I might have picked up a golf club, but I picked up a couple golf balls because like just finding them like random places. But um, I just was like, I was like, wow, there's so much to learn because they were explaining Janelle and Jerry were explaining things to me before we kind of got going. And, um, you know, the kids were there, but I like the idea that you guys kind of try and ease that intimidation factor. Um, I like the idea of playing music on the golf course because it is very quiet out there. Um, and I, I can't imagine having a group of kids out there being quiet. So, um, so, so tell me more about this intimidating golf. How, what is that? What does that really mean? <laughs> so for me, it means, you know, a few things. So initially when I started out, I didn't see any or very few minorities playing in the tournaments that were in my junior league. Now there was tournaments that my grandfather took me that his generation were playing in. And then it was, it seemed like, you know, I don't know if it was, you know, NCAA, ACP was at that wet, but when it was my turn to play in my junior league, there was either very few minorities, there was no girls. Um, I actually were, when I stayed with my grandfather that eighth grade year, I tried out for the golf team. The school I went to was predominantly white um, and they didn't have a girls team. Mm. So technically, um, and it's funny cause I, I Googled looking for something else. I found an article and it was me with the other boys on the team. Okay. And I spoke about this not too long ago. I think on my page, I had said, you know, it's funny, sometimes you don't realize the steps you're making when you're younger until someone calls you out that you made history. But um, I was the only, long so short, I tried out for the team, I made the team because I shot the score. So not only am I the only female on the team, but I'm the only minority on the team. Right. And now we're going around and we're playing in a boys golf tournament. And we're playing all different schools. And each time it was like that, Every time you would hit the first tee box for me, it was like all eyes are on you. You have to represent everyone, every woman, every girl, every minority, anybody, you know. And of course, my hair is extra straight right now. But back then, you know, before I knew about chemicals and pressing your hand, things like that, my hair was like huge. So you knew right off the back, like I'm something else. And I don't, they may not know. And they would always look at me crazy. Yeah. what is she what is she what is she and some you know be so bold to even ask but I even remember playing uh, we played so well we w- went to the um, state championship and I played one out of 300 boys and so we were probably like the second or third round of, of teeing up and it was like oh my god okay I got I, please don't top the ball please you know keep my head down please make solid cut please just get off the tee box we're gonna be good um, but they never made me feel like 
oh wow, you're doing something great. Oh wow, you 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 know, I can't believe you're here. You, congratulations to you. It was never like that. It was always, what's she doing here? How yeah. she get here? Why is she here? And what is it, you know, versus, oh wow, she she, you know, she did the score, she made the point. And that was my beginning. And then later, um, it became just evidently blatant and my grandfather used to always say it but again as a child you kind of didn't really pay attention but then I found myself when I would go to you know golf courses or play by myself or whatever case may be you know you still get that what is she doing here why is she here everybody's looking at you you go to the range they expect you not to be able to play they expect you not to have your own clubs let alone have actually gotten a golf scholarship let alone you know so even in like for example, corporate America, after I've not played anymore, and it's not even an interest in my thought at that time, uh, I remember at a job and they were talking about this tournament coming up and they were like, yeah, whoever want to play, we can play, you know, and I was like, oh, you know, I, I might want to play. What? Like, no, we're, 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 go, we're, we're trying to win. We're going to win. You know, we're trying oh, to play. No. And I was like, well, you know, I, I, I play golf. I, I, I play golf. And they're like, Oh, yeah, I play, um, you know, I went on to school on the scholarship. And it is crazy to me because as soon as they hear that you've gone to school on the scholarship, which they have never, um, their whole, their whole, um, you know, body language change, their words to me change. Now they want tips. Now they, now they want me to critique their swing in the office. I, I can't tell you how many jobs have done, have switched interviews with me because at the bottom of my resume at the time, it might've said that I couldn't work or there was gaps because the NCAA rules won't let you work. And I remember, you know, interviews changing from a, a, a stuffy, dry eye conversation to, oh, oh, wait, you, oh, you play golf. Oh, where do you play? Well, what clubs do you use? Do you have a ball that you present? You know, and it's like, wow, okay. And that's, you know, it's like, well, do you want the job? You can have the job. Do you want the job? I'm right. like, you don't even know if I'm qualified, but you saw that I could play golf. And that is another reason in 2,400 why I had to make sure that our kids understood. You don't have to even really be able to play. Just know how to talk about it. Know how to go out there and be about it. And I say another reason why it's intimidating because when you do go out there, there's so many unwritten rules. It's not like, a, you know, I'm gonna go play basketball, I'm gonna take my ball, or I'm gonna go shoot at the hoop and if somebody plays me, they play. No, from the time that you walk on that course, especially when you are not, you know, a typical white middle-aged man, right. from the time that you get to that clubhouse, you need to know how to check in. You need to know how to pay your dues. You need to know where to walk. You need to know what door to come out of. You need to know, you know, and if you were throwing someone into that and they already see the eyes on them, they already feel the, the tension on them and they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. mm, what's to say they're going to come back? They're not. They don't want to be there. They're not invited, you know, and it, it sometimes is made evidently clear. And that's why I try to do those um, golf and art programs with music and the relax and make it more of a mixer for kids because it should be fun. It should be lax. It shouldn't be you're expected to know everything as soon as you hit this. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, one of the things EYA is coming out with in the fall um, is an online course. Okay. And it is basically just the first um, basic, it's a four, four level course, but it's the first levels of rules, etiquette, what to expect 
you know, do's and don'ts. And it's made for our kids to take with a couple of STEM activities where they'll be um, like designing their own golf course or designing their own wardrobe. Um, but it gets them just comfortable with the lingo. And if someone says this to you, what does that mean? You know, when is your turn? When to play off? Because a lot of times, like I said, it's not about playing good or playing well. I'm sorry, it's not about playing well. It's just about knowing how to play. If you know if this club is for that, if I know I need my bag, if I know how to get to the course, if I know how to check in, if I know where to go get my tea time and I'm out there and I know how to be courteous to you on the course and say, I don't know how many times I would be out there with my grandfather and it's not common for you to get ready to tee off and somebody by themselves or another twosome may pull up and say, hey, you want to play? You don't want to say no because you're intimidated. Now, if you're working on your own game and you're trying to go pro in Tiger Woods and you need your mental head game on, the baby <laughs> go ahead. but if you are out there to hang out and, you know, enjoy the scenery, enjoy the, you know, the day and you don't mind company, take that company, take that, that extra twosome or that extra one on your route because by the end of that, you don't know who they are, what they can do for you. And I know they always say that things happen on the golf course, but a lot of times they happen at the, at, at, the, at the playing field, you know, as you're playing, you know, from one hole to the next hole, because it's not a, as soon as they walk up, oh, so what do you do? What do you do? Well, how can I help you? How can I help you? How can I, it's not like that. It's more of a, hey, you know, you get to know them. How long you been playing? Oh, I like your swing. And it's in a natural conversation. That's how you win someone over. But, you know, nobody wants to feel attacked or feel like they got to buy something or, you know, they either have a sales pitch. Like, yeah. no, just, hey. Oh, well, as you're talking, it comes out naturally and it will naturally flow, but you can't be in that meeting or you can't be in that group if you don't know how to get there. If you don't know the ones and twos of the etiquette, because you could hit the ball far, you could hit the ball under par, you could get great score, but if you're, a, I don't know if we can curse, but if you're a butthole. Oh you, yeah, you can curse. Uh, this is, this is, I can mark it as explicit. It's all good. <laughs> Nobody wants to play with an asshole. Yeah. And if you are, and if you're a bad player, play bad fast. They still will play with you. They still will want to rock with you because you understood, like, hey, I'm not a great player. I'm just out here enjoying, enjoying my time, shooting the shit. And but I understand etiquette. So let me not hold you up. Let me understand pace of play. Let me understand who's up next on the tee box. Let me let you play it forward. And knowing those things will get you so much further than ever knowing how to get the ball in, in on this hole on par. A lot of times they don't even want you to play better than them. So it might be great that you can't play better than them. <laughs> it, so it's so many little tricks and trades to this game that has nothing to do with you going pro. And I just feel like a lot of our, not even just our youth, but just our people in general don't know that game to play. You know, a few of us do, and that's great, and it's growing. I see it all the time. And now having this official nonprofit, I'm in so many groups, um, and it's a beautiful thing. And I never feel like we are too saturated in this lane because there's so much more work to do. When you turn on the PGA, the, you got to weed through it to find someone that looks like you. Um, so, uh, I feel like this is something that is long lasting. I feel like there will always be a need. And people always ask me, well, you know, you know, there's so many other junior golf programs. There's so many, so what? 
I, and, so and also I've never, I have yet to see a junior golf program like the one that you have. So exactly. I, <laughs> that's how I feel about my, but at the same time, even if I was doing the exact same thing as a, as a first tee or, or anything like that, I feel like you bring you to the table, you right. know, and all these parents that have allowed me to maneuver their children in one way or another, whether they want to play golf, whether they needed a mentor, whether I hooked them up with a scholarship, because it, like I said, it's bigger than golf. It's all about making sure that that kid who had that interest, who was open-minded, who had that positive attitude, who wanted to add to their, their resume builder, making sure that they have all the things that they need to make them that well-rounded, successful individual. Right. And eliminating, you know, is that you don't know what you don't know. Well, let's eliminate how many things you don't know. You know, right. I just think we, we, so many adults nowadays will be in such a better place if they had just had someone that sowed that seed into them. You know, there's people who come from great backgrounds, both parents, mother, father, great jobs, you know, head of household, all that good stuff, but no one was sowing any seed to them. So then they're out in the world just being, you know, they're either selfish or, you know, whatever their flaws may be. And it could have been diverted had they had been into certain programs or, you know, because parents can't do it all. Like, let's right. be real. It right. takes a village. And like I said, even though I had my two people, I have a laundry list of women and, and, and individuals that I know, like, whoa, I remember when she sold that seed. It's, y'all, I remember when we had that conversation. Um, that helped me direct my vision, helped me direct my thoughts. And it's just so important to feel like you have that village, whether you have that home security or not, um, because you may not always feel comfortable going home, talking to your parents about certain things or, or, or taking their advice by certain things. But if you hear from an outside entity, um, sometimes that clicks. And sometimes that that is the one that's gonna take you to that next level or help you stay open-minded to where you don't, you know, X yourself out of something that is, um, for you, you know, and I think, you know, as, as young adults, you know, and as kids, they don't know what they don't know, and they don't know that they're going to need those tools, so once I have that conversation with their parents, their parents are usually on it, like, wait, you do what, and you're doing what, for example, these seven children that I got in, three of them have been to my clinic, four of them came from a school that I did a clinic at, and I had just put something out to the principal to let them know, like, hey, I'm trying to fill some slots. I got some scholarship money. I'm trying to get it to kids who are really interested, who really want to see them, you know. And then she gave me the information. I called the parents, like, personally, um, gave them, you know, my thoughts. And then I followed up with that email, had them fill out their registration form. And I filled out, um, followed up when they got a confirmation that they are successfully in there. And then I met them at the course to make sure that everything is legit, like, you have that white glove service. You don't feel like you just walked into those four um, students, the extra four. Their parents had never even been to the golf course. Their parents don't even know what the golf course is. They didn't know if they needed a club, not a club, you know. So it's even helping the parents feel more at ease by letting their child try this because they don't even know, you know, they've never been there. Um, so it's, to me, it's just it's just a, a white glove service for our kids. You know, if they're interested in golf and STEM, I will hold them like they my own babies, make sure they got they get what they need, you know, and and, uh, and fortunately people gravitate towards that. They see that light in me, they see the positive in me, and people respect that and they try to help whichever way they can. And so I'm so grateful for where the, the nonprofit has grown. It has been established since 2017. Okay. And uh, we have 
we have reached over 600 kids in just an exposure. Okay. Um, we are now getting into the matrix field of, okay, out of those kids that get exposed, how many kids now want to follow up and really get deep dive into it um, so that eventually we'll get to the point where we'll have, you know, set up for actual grant dollars. And this will be a program that can reach beyond Georgia. Right. So what, um, what age groups do y'all serve? Cause you know, I got a three-year-old, he's about to be four. So we really usually do seven to 17. Okay. Um, our, our junior stroke clinic, uh, we have some six-year-olds in there. Um, but as long as he's like, I would, I would give him to at least five. And then you could bring him to like the junior strokes and let him like play in the pain, you know, check it out. Cause he's his mom's VIP. We'll let him in. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah. And then let him go from there. And then when he's like six or seven, we can get him in the U S kids program. And then, you know, and that's a six week program and they have four levels. And then once you're done with that, like pretty much, you know, if he wants to go into, you know, at that point, if he wants to join a, the team at school, if he wants to go into the PGA league, he'll have options. Or if he just want to say, hey, mom, I did it. It's cool. I know about it now. I don't want to do that, though. Let me do something else. Then yeah. that's fine as well. And he can still stay within the EYA membership program because, again, there'll be cooking classes virtual or there'll be come out. Uh, one of the things we'll be launching with Sugar Creek, because that is our home course. Uh, we're launching the garden club there. And so on the golf course, there will be a section where kids can go tend to the garden. Okay. Um, so they'll be able to say, okay, well, I'm done with this. And I'm going to go over here and check that out. And then maybe right. I'll go over here and paint something. Right. Um, I want it to be, like I said, a full experience of being able to just try stuff, try stuff, yeah. start stuff switch it up you know <laughs> for sure so where did you go to school because you did mention you had a scholarship yeah. where did you um, go to school I actually went to Jackson State University it's in okay. Mississippi um it's funny because I went to Chicago State for a semester and then I wound up just finishing at Jackson State uh, but I had got a scholarship again. <laughs> yeah, again and it's crazy because they both offered me a scholarship um, but Eddie Payton was the golf coach at Jackson State, and he just really made an impression on me, rest his soul. But he was Walter Payton's brother, and they trained you like you were you were trying to go pro. Like, but I I look back at it now, of course, and I'm I'm grateful for those times. We were, I want to say we won slack like something astronomical like eight nine times in a row we had nike sponsors red bull sponsors and at the time you know people like to talk mess about what they don't know and going to an all-black school with a golf team you know they kind of was just like who on the golf team what golf team what golf team we got you know they just did not understand but what they didn't know is like the golf team was the only one winning swag okay because that football <laughs> horrible Dion's there now thank god but the football team was horrible and if it wasn't for the band nobody would go okay so shout out look shout out to the swag team jsu women's team for holding it down because we were making our mark even when nobody wanted to acknowledge it okay and now shasta is the lpga pro representing for jsu on the pro team so shout out to Shasta Aberhart, you know, my little plug right there. <laughs> okay, yeah, because I was like, Jackson State, wait, that's an HBCU. I didn't know HBCUs had golf teams, <laughs> but that shows how much I know. Okay, because, yep. well, so I went to Savannah State and I I think we had a golf team too. 
You probably, I'm pretty sure you did, Savannah. I'm pretty sure. Like, even just since they had a bowling team. Like, we, had, we they were showing out back in the day. Yeah. I looked on there recently, and I don't see those those uh, programs like I used to. But, you know, funding be real. Yeah. <laughs> funding is real. Yes. Okay, so, um, dang, I had a question. Okay, um, so... What is like the most challenging thing for you as far as, cause you are a mother um, yeah. as balancing like motherhood and entrepreneurship, because you have a lot going on. Like what's the most challenging mm-hmm. part and what's the most rewarding part? Um, I must say just staying organized um, okay. yes. because that is one of my, you know, I could do it for other people, but when it comes to me, it seems like I have so much going on. Um, so sometimes, you know, just slowing down is the hard part for me. Like, okay, what is it that I need to accomplish today? Um, and then not being hard on myself when I've only accomplished being a mother today. When I say that, it's like, oh, I've just been a mother today. I should be doing so much more. <laughs> and, you know, some people are like, oh my God, that's a job in itself. Yeah. But I'm just not the person that's like, all I want to do is be a housewife or all I want to do is be a housewife. That would drive me insane. Um, and now that we, you know, thank God he sets things up the way that he sees fit. You know, we've had, I have a 14 month old. So, you know, I was working full time, uh, client account manager up until, uh, the pandemic. And I had just had my baby and I was coming back, um, after my maternity leave. And I came back for maybe three weeks and we all were sent home. And then maybe three weeks later, like half or maybe more was, you know, let go. And I was just like, you know what, Lord, you answered that prayer directly because I'm a type of person that I give 10 toes in. If I tell you, I'm going to, you know, if I give you my word and that goes for whether I'm in corporate America, whether I'm doing it for myself or whether I'm just keeping my word to someone on podcast that I should be here yesterday and I wasn't like that, that plays on me. You know what I mean? That's, you know, like, seriously, that's something. And while I was pregnant, um, the job that I was at, like, I didn't feel like they gave any leniency for that. I literally was at work the day before I had to give birth training people to do my job just because they waited till last minute um and of course my husband like man forget that job don't go back but it's like it would gnaw on me because my name is on that I I I signed up for that and then I'll be letting these people down because I didn't fulfill you know it wasn't up to them I didn't know I was going to be pregnant like I didn't know all this was going to happen like this pregnancy was a surprise on me just like it was a surprise on them um (laughs) and so when I came home and I remember oh God, trying to work from home, the kids are here, my oldest is five, so I have two, and then my husband was working from home. And I remember feeling like this cannot be life. This this can't be because there's no way I could put in what the job entails, which is like an eight to 12 hour thing, especially mm-hmm. since you're at home, they feel like you got to do even more. And then still cook two, three meals a day. And Mm -hmm. then I got a bed. So it was a lot. And then, you know, let's talk about it. There's always postpartum up in there. And I'm not feeling like myself. And I'm and I'm I'm feeling down on myself because I'm not feeling myself. And it's just a a a spiral cycle. And I really think just being vocal about that and um not you know and and this being my second go around not feeling like I need to 
uphold some type of persona that I can superwoman it all and I'm going to throw these kids on my back and I'm going to flip this burger for my husband and I'm going to send these emails and do these sales reports and I'm going to so when they called me to uh that we were getting laid off I I almost like you know chuckled or you know it was just like thank you like I you know I know it was a sad time for everybody I was like oh thank you because I didn't want to send my youngest to daycare um, early. I wanted to keep them out as long as I could. Um, but I must say it all worked out for the best. You know, um, it is a, it is a juggle for anyone, even if you're just doing, even if you're just a mom, like, and I don't want to say it lightly, just a mom, because a mom has like 15 jobs in itself. And I, I hate talking to men about it because they don't understand you. You're not a mom you know, your get up is different. You know, when you hear that baby cry, your reaction is a little different than the father's reaction. Not that he loves him any less or not that, you know, it's just, you're like first on command, first in line, first in duty. Um, And, you know, but in that same breath, I'm rewarded by that when, you know, my child clings to me or like my oldest sometimes he comes and he gets in the bed with me in the morning like right before he got to go to school. Like he just wants to lay with me a little and he'll say randomly, mommy, I just love you. You know, mommy, I just want to hug you. I just want to give you a hug, mommy. Those are those rewarding moments that I know like, hey, even though I'm sometimes spinning my head cut off and I feel like I'm not doing enough or I need to do more, you know, they see your efforts. They reward you in their own way. Um, and then I make sure that I get a little me time. Yeah. So, you know, even if that's just me going outside for a walk or, you know, luckily I do have a good baby where if I put him down at eight o'clock, he will stay down till tomorrow at eight o'clock. These are my hours to work. So when people are like, oh, let's chat, let's talk. I'm like, "Mm, hit me up. If you can hit me up after eight o'clock, that'd be great. Um, if you need to do something, you know, because then I have my free time and I'll stay up till maybe, you know, 11, 12, depending on how long my eyelids will stay up. But I feel rewarded when I have done all that I can for the day and I've worked on my, my vision, my purpose. Mm -hmm. I have to touch that every day. Um, even if it's just doing something on my phone, on Canva or putting out some posts, um, because you're you know, as a small entrepreneur, you are your own machine. You are the editor, the social media, the marketer, the, you know, and although I always come in a very humble way and people sometimes ask, oh, you know, what do you do? I serve EYA. I serve because in my mind, I am serving, you know, the people that I touch through this organization. And it's so rewarding when I have a parent or a child give me feedback or for example um, the other day I had some random person on social media did a whole raffle for EYA okay. and they raised six hundred dollars okay random person in California um, you know so much so that you know he did a live uh, reveal who won the raffle and um, you know I joined the live and we talked and he was like I just wanted to support EYA and all that you all are doing, the mission that you have going on. I heard about your mission um, through one of the sponsors that we have, which is Trap Golf. And yeah, he was like, I heard about you guys and I had the support. And I was just like, wow. Like, 
waking up to seeing that one day was super random. Nobody told me it was going to happen. And even though it was happening, I still didn't think like, he going to send me some money. Like, he don't know. He gonna send me. Sure enough, as soon as the raffle was over, he sent it. Um, and because I'm learning certain things that, you know, like um, sponsor letters and newsletters, and you get into all those things that you're like, oh, I got to do it because that kind of helps. Um, solidify, you know, your organization, um, I get rewarded from that. You know, sometimes you are down on, you like, oh, that flyer may not look right. Oh, that letter probably could have been better. Oh, I should have said this. And then they come back with, oh, this is awesome. This looks great. I'm going to sponsor 10 kids. What? Yeah. I should have did that better. You know, like, <laughs> but I'm just hard on myself. And you just don't know, again, what you don't know. And you think everybody out here got their stuff together and they A1, they polished, they look good because social media is telling you they do. And a lot of they shit be janky. Yeah. And okay. um, one of my worst pet peeves is reaching out to someone who say they do something in whatever that field is. And when you reach out to try to get them to do that for you and actually pay them the money to do it and you ain't trying to look for no deal, you ain't trying to get a percent off, you ain't trying to undercut them and they like playing in their butt, getting it done for you or not really getting back to you or responding hella late. And it's like, well, shit, I'm just trying to get you to do what you say you do every day. Right. You don't do that every day? Right. Oh, because you work for AT&T or, or Comcast or you're a lawyer or whatever the job may be. Like, I think it's super dope if you could say, Yo, I have a real nine to five. I do this on the side. So if you can give me, you know, two, three days to get back to you, or if you can give me a week or, hey, I got stuff on, just communicate. That is one of my worst pet peeves because um, communication, you know, is your world, you, you know, your attitude, the way that you put it out, the way that it's received, you know, the way that you get stuff back, the information, it's your communication, it's your burden to bear. You need to figure that out. And if you want to, you know, stand behind your brand and want to feel like you're putting out some great work and stay hold, stay true to your word, you know, and so that's why I think I'm so, you know, extra when it comes to my work and my pride, because it is my baby, and I always want to put my best foot forward, and I always want people to see the best of the light, and, you know, and thanks be to God that even when I'm short, people see my heart, and they know, like, okay, I'm still going to do it with you, or I'm still going to, you know, help you over that goal or help you with the finish line. Um, like I said, it's one of those things that even when I tried not to do this, I, I was really going to climb the corporate ladder. I was really like doing some other things. I was going into like network um, um, technology. And I was like, yeah, I'm going in that field. But when I tell you your calling, your vision, your purpose is going to keep pounding you until you do it. And it is the most rewarding thing. I can stay up to three, four in the morning if need be and only, you know, maneuver off before I was asleep, but I feel fulfilled. I feel happy. I feel on the right path. I feel the light and things just are, even when I'm starting to feel like maybe this is not right, something else happens that makes me know like oh nope 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 keep going girl and then you get so far in it you can't go back yeah. and that's where I am now I'm so deep in it there's no turning back yeah. it's only up from here yeah that's awesome I think that um balancing like motherhood like me I am I am the I am the open person with people when they're asking me about like the podcast and then I also read audiobooks and recently I had to put photography down to kind of focus more on all of this, but I have my nine to five and 
my nine to five is very time consuming because I am there three days a week. I am in the building and I'm there for eight hours a day. So I, and then when on Mondays, Mondays are like a toss up because I'm working from home, but it's like calls and Zooms and all of this stuff. So it's like, I need you to give me some time. <laughs> to get this done I will look at my schedule I will get back to you later I don't ever even give people a date sometimes I'd be like let me get back to you in a couple of days like yeah <laughs> sounds great but because you're saying that, that that makes people want to work with you for example I, I asked somebody recently mm -hmm. about uh polo shirts that I know that they get polo shirts all the time made with their logo so I'm like oh who's your connect they gave me the name the number and it was directly to somebody um and I was like oh it's a small business even better yes yeah. I wanted to support this person I I uh I called left a voicemail they called me back um and somehow we wind up like texting the information maybe they text me their their email address so I sent them my file that I wanted to make this was probably about a month and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Ask me, have I heard anything? And mind you, about a week or two after I sent them the file, because they were like, oh, I have this to you tomorrow. You can get the, the digital file and then we can go from there. Da, da, da. I'm like, okay, cool. Two weeks later, I just followed up. Like, hey, just want to know, did you ever get the digital file? Let's start there. And they were like, oh, I'm so sorry. I've been backed up, but I'm going to get it to you by tomorrow or the next day or something like that. Again, it was already two weeks later. I'm like, okay. A week later, I call and I'm like, look, you know, if you're not the person, just tell me you're not the person. It's okay. You know, and they were like, oh, I had a pipe burst at my house. It's been a whole ordeal. I get that. I totally get that. Had you had texted me like, hey, pipe burst, I'm going to be out of commission for probably about a month. I don't even know. Let me just, I, you might need to go somewhere else. I would love to work with you, but right yeah. now it's not the time. I'd be like, cool, I'll go get a few things somewhere else. And I will still come back to you because I want to work with a small individual. I want to give my money to the person that I see, you know, when I pull up. That's awesome that I know that my money is going directly to feed your people. Like, Please let me do that. Um, but they were like, hey, I'm a pipe first, you know, give me a week or so. That was probably a month ago. I I just let the person know who gave me that information. Like, hey, I tried to really work with that person. Like, it ain't been really too good. And they were like, look, move on, move on. Cause they be fugazi. I'm like, dang. Yeah. And I hate that because again, it could have been something that I could have always been working through. I'm always going to need these shirts. I'm always going to need this business and it could get bigger. And I would love to just, get it from one person but you know okay sarah sarah <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is like that is what it is well thank you rachel so much for coming on do you want to plug um your socials so people can yes. get so yes plug in at excelyouthacademy.com and you can check us out on instagram at ey uh, academy it's also EY Academy ATL on Facebook. And my personal handle is RL Houston. Houston like Houston, Texas. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. And I am looking forward to everything that you're going to have going on Likewise. in the future. And yeah. Likewise. And let me know when you get back into the photography realm. I need me some photos on the golf course too. <laughs> oh yeah 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 i will i will i'm looking at may i should be done with these audiobooks i'm reading five audiobooks right now for oh. uh, so i should be done with all of them by mid-may 
Um, Are you reading them just for your own purpose knowledge or is there a reason that there's these five? No, I'm, so I'm narrating. I shouldn't say that. I'm narrating. Oh. I am the voice of the book. <laughs> okay, get money some other ways. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I didn't even think that is mind blowing. Awesome sauce. I love it. Because I'm like, okay, she's reading five. Like, you ain't doing it simultaneously, girl. What you? No, what no. And I always say that. And people are always like, so you're reading the books? And I'm always, I'm, I always have to correct myself. Like, I'm narrating the books. I'm so sorry. Narrating. I know. Right, because you're like, I'm reading the audio books. I'm like, but they audio. Right, because I, I mean, because I am reading them, like I have to read the word. <laughs> you do. I got you. I'm narrating them. I'm narrating the audio books. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate our chat time. And I know we'll circle back around and be seeing each other on more projects, but I wish you well in everything you're doing. Thank you for having me on this evening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of the Hidden Gems podcast. Again, it's me, your host, Kendra, and I am just going to drop you my socials real quick and I'm going to be out. If you're looking for me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at your host, Kendra. Just one word. It's really that easy. I am still selling waist beads. A lot of people ask me that. Are you still doing waist beads? I am. Um, right now we finished up the order that we are working on, my mom and I, and we are working on restocking my rack for the summer season, spring and summer season. So you might be seeing me post a couple more pictures of new waist beads that may or may not be on my website just yet. I haven't gotten around to putting them up on the website, but they are there. Um, some people know how to get in contact with me. <laughs> it might be a little unfair for the masses, but it is what it is at this point right now in my life. I am finished with my first audiobook and I am really getting into this second audiobook. It is so good. I can't wait until I complete it so that I can tell you guys all about it and encourage you to go download it and buy it because it is very good. It is about supernatural beings. Um, and fun fact the majority of the characters in this book are African-American or black um, people. And it's written by a black woman who owns her own um, publishing company as well. So it's really, really cool. I'm really, really enjoying reading this book. Um, I literally cannot put it down. I stay up like for hours on end trying to read this book and bring it to life. So um, I'm very excited about all of that good stuff. Yes, I'm still putting the pause on photography, but I did leak to some people when my dates would be that I would be reopening that. And yes, I, I'm very busy. I'm a very busy person. So if I'm making time for you, I'm making time for you. Respect my time. And I will talk to you guys on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this one. Again, if you're looking for Rachel or if you're looking to get your children involved with Excel Youth Academy, make sure you follow her on Instagram and Facebook as well i will be in contact with her because we do a couple little other things together where we're hooking up with janelle from camp sanaa and other things like that so just make sure if you're looking for things for your children to do this summer rachelle's a great person excel youth academy janelle's a great person um camp sanaa and make sure you guys just keep moving forward keep looking for that stay tuned for the next episode i really appreciate you all tuning in um and all the new listeners out there what's up keep listening follow me if you're not already following me and i will see you guys on the next episode